Hello, we're out there in Lasso land. This is Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast for NPR Illinois Community Voices and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by my illustrious co-host, Mr. Jeremy Geckner. Man, everyone, <laughs> if you just watched this episode, you are about as okay as we are, which is not very, but we are going to do this all together. Man, what an episode packed. Uh, this is this is nuts. This is nuts. Mom said, hey, Jeremy, Jeremy, um, I got one. I, I, I want to tell you something, Ooh. but I'm going to wait until next week to tell you it. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Ted. What are you doing with us there? You know what? They they have to be messing with us now because I'm sorry. There's music cues too, all right? Because the song that precedes that scene conspicuously doesn't exist in Apple Music, all right? And it sounds an awful lot like Freddie Mercury. And I'm just saying the lyric that we hear before he speaks is, see you here, same time, same place next year. Okay, forget you guys, man. You're just messing with us now. I heard it was Ed Sheeran, wasn't it? It sounds Ed Sheeran-y, yeah. But like when I Shazammed that thing, like I could not find it, and I put all the lyrics into Google, and it didn't spit anything out. So I did don't he, know. Did he make a song for? I Ted think Lasso? he did. I don't think this song is released yet, guys. And I hate it because it's a, it's a famous quote. Um, you know, it's kind of taken off of the uh, old Tennyson line about loving and losing. Um, yeah, this is ooh, this is some crazy crap here, man. But we are working on lots of things for you here at uh, Peanut Butter and Biscuits. So we're going to dive into our housekeeping stuff. And then we got to get into this episode because there is <laughs> a lot to talk about in this penultimate episode as we move forward here. I should say that Jeremy is at a hotel conference. So yes. he's got hotel Wi-Fi. Woo-hoo! So if he goes Robotron or if I do, that's why. But we want to make sure we get this content <laughs> out to you. Let's go ahead and go through our housekeeping first, Jeremy. We asked our peanut butter and biscuits listeners to join our Facebook page. And if we got a thousand people or more, we would do an episode on comparing the West wing and Ted Lasso. We not only got a thousand people, we are close to 1300 people now. God guys. So what? Three three episodes, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So I don't even know what we're supposed to do with that. So thank you. We will be working on the scheduling. We'll make sure that we get that out to you as soon as humanly possible. But as yeah. I mentioned, Jeremy is off, uh, you know, working. He's yeah. he's earning money for his family or something like that. This, this week. Something. Why, if, if this video ever gets shown, you see my nice uh, work branding here. Um, yeah, but it it is quite amazing. I do love that uh, the prize is more homework for us. But hey, you know what? We're going to do it. Um, we're going to do it for you guys because uh, West Wing and that and maybe we can get that nice little uh, West Wing weekly, uh, you know, uh, crossover there based on the the strength of the fans of peanut butter and biscuits. Who knows? If we get to talk to Josh Molina or Rishi Herway, I'm I'm here for it All for sure because yeah. I absolutely love both of them. But I also say that just when we jumped on, folks, this is hot off the press. Breaking news! I told Jeremy that we have a cast member that has emailed me back and tried to set up an interview. We don't have that interview set up yet, so I'm not going to announce who that is. Ah. I'm going to tease it now. But if you are in that Facebook page, if you follow us along on social media, you will be the first to find out. And uh, man, it's going to be a good time talking to this individual as we move forward. So 
other than that, let's get to those reviews that we like to do. And then we got to dive into this episode, buddy. So Man. why don't you start us off with Certified Fresh? Yeah. So Noah Thom here. Tom, Tom, Thom. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I do love this because taken off of uh, a little joke about when uh, Ted and Sassy uh, first slept together when he goes five stars Certified Fresh. Anyway, this is the best Ted Lasso podcast out there. Jeez. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. Um, I love listening every week. Go Bears and Blackhawks. Okay. Well, you ruined it now, Noah. I mean, we can't, we can't support that. We can't support that at all. Yeah, and then Kay's says, be a goldfish. I can't believe it's taken me this long to discover this incredibly heartwarming and mood-lifting podcast. Well, thank you. Ooh. Craig and Jeremy, an amazing guest, share the same love for the show that I do. And even though I've just begun to dip my toe in the world of podcasts, Ooh. I know I've found my people. If you enjoy Ted Lasso and crave more wholesome content in your life, this is the podcast for you. Man. Can I say a real quick story? Yeah. This is legit. I have people that will back me up on this, that this actually happened. My <laughs> oh, son <laughs> was playing at the park with two other children. Children. And one of the other children uh, got upset and started to cry. And so my son told that other kid unabated, unprompted. He said, do what Ted Lasso says and be a goldfish. <laughs> Ted, God, see, I'm calling you Ted because this is like you, you've won parenting. Like parenting is done. Like it's been it's been perfected now. You've imparted Ted wisdom onto your son and uh, we are all done. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a so minute fantastic. since you called me Ted and I was I was getting to feel a complex about it so thank you for that. No, but you're back now and yeah, I can I can, you know, knowing your son, I can totally uh see this happening. Um it probably did there. Um, so very good, very good. All right, well, um the next review here, I can't come up with a nickname D at the end. That's pretty the clever. best the best nickname. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean like your your lack of nickname is your nickname. And it says take all the stars. The only thing I look forward to in my week more than a new Ted Lasso episode is a new podcast episode. I love that they're loaded uploaded the very next day so my commute to work is highly entertaining and i can get over that midweek hump easier this podcast makes my day a little bit brighter and my mood a little bit happier i started listening during season three but once this finishes i will definitely do a full series recap xoxo bbq yeah barbecue sauce thank you very much uh we will give you the nickname of a really cool reviewer nice all right so then uh we also have gouge 002 and she says we're soulmates or they say we're Ooh. soulmates and i'm glad that i got this one because here it goes about i've been a huge ted lasso fan since the early season one i've listened to many of the ted lasso podcasts but only discovered pbnb a few months back and it's my absolute favorite Aww. not only do they have reverence for this amazing show but they happen to be huge west wing fans hey. and i've been a disney cast member for the past 39 Whoa. years I can't thank them enough for my long commute in Southern California traffic to the happiest place on earth, a much more enjoyable experience. I feel this connection to you and want to thank you both so much for the time and you share your thoughts and insights about the show. I look forward to checking out more offerings from the Front Row Network. Cheers. I would say I check mean, out yeah. Beyond the Mouse. <laughs> Greg has Disney a Disney show, show. guys. <laughs> I, I will say thank you. Uh, you're doing the Lord's work being a cast member at Disneyland down there. I would love if you would message me. I would love to geek out about Disney with you for so long. So <laughs> beware. Find this me will last Facebook a long page. time. This will last uh, a long time if you do this, listener. Just beware. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, this will be we will instantly be friends. So 
be prepared for that. Man, that one was just tailor-made for you. Um, all right, last one here. Lisa Cerezo, I'm going to guess here. Um, absolutely lovely podcast. I found myself subscribed to a number of Ted Lasso podcasts. I'm a bit obsessed with the show. Hey, us too. Uh, but Peanut Butter and Biscuits is by far my favorite. I love all the talking points Craig and Jeremy explore together. The episodes are well-structured, and it's clear how enthusiastic they both are about such a lovely show. I go out of my way to make sure I listen to uh, the show. And, you know, I got to say here, Craig, like, I think there's been, like, this misconception that you and I like this show and it's really weird because like we hate watch every week guys like this this is not a, a thing so we've been dishonest with you guys we're very sorry about that we should be like every other critic that just uh, puts everything down right oh i don't sorry. like this episode this tv series sucks now yeah okay guy <laughs> oh season three we don't like these storylines we're, we're totally making people mad now we gotta we go are. on yeah <laughs> Let's get into this episode. It's our penultimate episode of Ted Lasso. Here we go, diving into episode 11, Mom City. Man, all these episodes with city in their title just wreck us. They just wreck us, man. <laughs> they really do, don't they? So, okay. So we start off with this. This is actually one of the quickest uh, openings that we've had, I think, Ever, ever in a Ted Lasso ever. episode. Ted just comes out of his apartment. He goes for a walk. Everyone is so friendly. Uh, he's really become part of Richmond. You get to see so many of our favorite little like side characters, like the wanker guy. And then he <laughs> walks by someone that's sitting on the bench. And then he does a double take because that person happens to be his mother. Mama and then Lasso. we get the opening credits. So let's just dive into the scene uh, just because we get the opening credits right away. But I thought it was kind of cool because you really got to see that like the sense that Ted has become one with the community. Mm. And isn't this like neat? Like, I feel like, you know, okay, we're going to bring it back to, to Packers because we can, right. <laughs> and that's our, that's our podcast. Shocking. But like, yeah. if like Matt LaFleur was, was like living down the street and I got to see him all the time, I feel like, I don't know if it would be this kind of like friendly communal <laughs> interaction. Would it? I don't know. Well, I mean, American sports are just, you know, disrupted a lot different than uh, English sports. Uh, definitely also because the Premier League's like more cramped together uh, and stuff like that, too. But I, I wrote the exact same thing. Now. I said, like, literally, Ted is at a perfect stasis with this with his environment now. Like, there were so many times you parallel this with every other time he's walked down this road. And there's always something, you know, people complaining about the fact that he's this American coach in season one or the fact that, like, the team got relegated or when are they going to start winning in season two. And now it's literally just I, I don't want to say it's because only that Richmond is winning and stuff, but that plays a big part of it. But he is like perfectly at home and at place now in here in Richmond. So naturally something has to come in and disrupt that, which we of course know now is Mama Lasso. Um, and it is kind of funny how it just kind of comes out of nowhere, but I think it actually does Craig Belay a bigger point about how, you know, sweeping things off or just kind of like not reacting to things, which a lot of people would say probably Ted does, does not work. And so you got to deal with these surprises, so to speak, head on uh, to kind of deal with them, I think, is what what this is setting up here. Absolutely. And I, I also like that it, it immediately establishes that Ted's kind of uncomfortable with the 
fact that his mother is visiting as yes. well. Um, and that's, you know, like that's something that carries through throughout the entire episode. But let's dive into the rest of the episode. We get our opening credits and then we can we move on to see that Jade and Nate are at uh, the Taste of Athens. It turns out that Nate is working there as a waiter. And there's a very funny part uh, where Jade mentions something about the patriarchy. I don't know if that's a Tedism for you, Jeremy. I, I wrote it I, there down, so man. Many, there were so many Tedisms in this episode. This whole that, episode like, There is... were some that I couldn't quite, like I, I almost wrote it down and then I was like, that that one's uh, pretty funny. But like, so Nate's like, well, we don't have any cleaners for the floor. Why do we put the, the chairs up on the table? And she goes, because of the patriarchy. The patriarchy. And I love that. <laughs> But then we get a visit to Taste of Athens by Colin, Isaac, and Will, and they come to try to convey, convince Nate to come back to Richmond. They said that it was a unanimous vote of the team. Well, all except for a bumper catch because, <laughs> uh, of course, he passionately is passionately anti-democratic. Anti yeah. <laughs> uh, but then Nate asks if Ted is uh, okay with it as well, and they said that Ted doesn't know that they wanted to get the his kind of interest first before they took it to Ted. So then at that point, Nate says that he's not interested in coming back to uh, Richmond. Isaac takes a, a good deal of to-go food as, uh, <laughs> or what is it? Carry away? Takeaway? Takeaway. Yeah, Takeaway. Yeah. Takeaway food. And then what I thought was great is that uh, Isaac calls Nate, Nate the great, Nate the great as he's leaving. So uh, we can dive into this scene a little bit. I mean, I know like this is one of those episodes that there are so many quick little scenes that I feel like we can't go necessarily scene by scene, but this is one that I think needs a little bit of attention here because it's basically the team coming, the, the team captain, Will the Kitman, which I thought was interesting mm -hmm. that they put Will in there as well, and then mm -hmm. Colin, who has become this emerging leader for Richmond, those three go and tell Nathan they want him back. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, triumvirate here, and if, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you here. I think that if anybody has a complaint about this episode, this will probably be where it is because they'll probably say like, "Oh, you know, all of a sudden they just want him back and stuff." Like, where's the scene of them like talking about it? I don't need to see that scene, guys. Okay, we all know where this is at. The team is in a better place, um, and honestly, we know that Will, at the very least, knows that Nate has had some kind of change inside of him because he went and did all of Will's work and apologized to him. Um, you know, in the last episode at the end there. So it is interesting that you have the team captain here. Obviously, that should be there. Will, who, if, if I'm being honest, Craig, I think maybe spearheaded this whole effort um, to try mm. to get, you know, the team okay with Nate coming back. And then Colin, who is becoming very much not only a leader of this team, but also was the object of Nate's ridicule at the beginning of season two, um, you know, that Beard had to actually call him out for. Um, so, again, there's just this very big, uh, this triumvirate here really does kind of signify what the team itself is and what it needs to be. Um, but I will say, like, it, it is great to see that, like, Nate assumes that Ted sent them there. Nate assumes mm -hmm. that, like, oh, so Ted sent you here to try to get me back. And it's only then that he becomes uncomfortable again. He's like, no, I can't do that. So Nate clearly is scared of the confrontation with Ted. And this is, like, he's become peak self-aware. He knows that he messed up very, very badly here. And he's scared of having to confront that amount of damage that he did to somebody who he knows, um, you know, would probably take him back. But he's scared, probably, Craig. I think that there might be that little bit of him that thinks that Ted might not take him back. What do you think? Well, I also think that he's trying to it's kind of an avoidance thing in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying to not be the one that has to go and apologize. Mm. I mean, 
you could see that in the the match that they had with West Ham back in episode four. And uh, you saw that Nate was trying to get himself there, but he was painfully awkward about the entire thing. And I just don't mm-hmm. think that he's necessarily ready to be able to dive in and say like, okay, I'm going to apologize to Ted. I mean, I just don't think that that's in him at the moment. And so yeah. we'll see, uh, well, you know, like, we'll... yeah. And also there's, you're right though. When you say avoidance, this whole episode is about avoidance. It's about avoiding the thing that you're dreading um, and not dealing with it. This is Jamie's story in this episode. This is definitely Ted and his mom's ep- uh, thing in this episode. And it's definitely Nate's because he needs the push from Jade every step of the way to try to get him to do the right thing. And it's also Beard's moment in this episode because Ted needs to push him to do the right thing. Literally all these people are avoiding the things that they're dreading that they need to do and they have to get that push. That's what this whole episode is about. Absolutely. So let's continue on. We now get to see Ted in his apartment with his mom. We get this a couple of times to kind yeah. of see like homely Ted Lasso, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, kind of welcoming his mom into his apartment. They have this really funny conversation about oven symbols, which may or may not make the Tedisms list uh, later on. But basically, like Ted is asking her if everything is OK. Mm. And then she does say that it's all fine. This is going to be a running theme throughout this entire episode. Yeah. So you see that this kind of avoidance and particularly the kind of avoidance that we got out of Ted primarily in season one before mm-hmm. he started working with Sharon and before he really started to do a lot of the uh, therapy that hopefully helped him and I think did help him. We'll, we'll come to find that out. But he asks how long she's been there. She's been there for a week, oh, staying week. in a, a nice hostel. Uh, and there's so much sex, though, with the Australians. With the Australians. Not uh, her. Not her. With the Australians. You absolutely. know what? Do you think, Daddy? Um, you, want, you want to get busy with Australians? Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And he said that uh, she says things like, so Ted then says, of course, you're going to stay with me the rest of the time you're here. But she doesn't want to be a hassle and I don't want to be in your hair. And Ted is obviously rattled by the fact that she's here. I'm going to go ahead and go on and we can talk about this all in a little bit. But there's also a press conference that happens. Uh, (laughs) Reporters ask uh, if he's dreaming about Richmond's success. Sam gives something that I actually had absolutely as a Tedism. So I'm not going to repeat that here. Mm. Something about the Matrix, though. And then uh, we find out that Jamie's been named the Premier League player of the month. But he won't accept it, really, because (laughs) it's the team that's making him look good. And actually, it makes him feel kind of bad because he wants to prop up the team not himself and then it's actually Roy who mentions that one of the reasons why he's the best player of the month is because of all the assists that he's doing but he did have one goal Sam said (laughs) and then Jamie argues that that goal ought to be removed and taken away uh, from us here so before we get into Ted meeting Rebecca let's talk about these two particular scenes anything reaction to those scenes Jer yeah it, it, it is funny like I wrote down like man it's it's like Dottie is literally just a pure, like, like the purest form of Ted. Like, you know, she's always just like going from thing to thing, doing her little sayings and stuff like that. Um, but you're right. This is going to keep coming back there. And I did write down the, the uh, microwave thing. It's pretty funny stuff. Uh, pretty typical Ted Lasso joking there. But yeah, um, this whole episode is Phil Dunster's Emmys reel. Um, this whole episode <laughs> yeah. is Phil Dunster's. Uh, he, this is his submission to the Emmys because he is on fire in this episode, comedically, dramatically, everything in this. Um, I wrote it down as a tennis, but I'm just gonna say it now because literally, when Roy points out that, or when Sam points out that he scored a goal too, he literally says that goal is a lie. <laughs> That goal is a lie. I had that as a tedism. That's why I didn't say it. But no, totally. Like that's just go- so funny, man. 
And you said something I want to apologize. No. Not only to my team, but especially, especially the children. Especially to the children. <laughs> I'm just like, and and this is where it's like uh, great, like that they set this up. That like, there's something very broken inside of Jamie right now. We don't quite know what it is, but Phil Dunster just crushing everything there. And we've also learned here that 15 matches in a row, all right, 15 matches in a row, four points off of Man City with two games to go, including the head to head coming up. So. I, I'll give it to it at the end here, but we're setting up a very specific scenario that I think has to play out here, but more on that in a little bit. Yeah, I do want to hear that uh, scenario coming up, but I do love the press conference. I also like going back to Ted's apartment because it really does establish that Mama Lasso, Dottie Lasso, is where Ted gets a lot of his folksyism, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's his Midwest charm, but at the same time, she is almost behind him in terms of dealing with her stuff. And I feel like that's why uh, particularly that uh, Ted is going to have quite the impassioned speech uh, actually inspired <laughs> by one Jamie Tart right. later on in this episode, but we'll right, totally right. get there a bit later. So now we're in the, in Rebecca's office, Ted is going to introduce her mother to Rebecca. And I love that Rebecca instantly knows. She just knows. Yeah. She doesn't even need to be told. Based on the Tedisms (laughs) that are given in that office. Uh, And then they have this really funny story. Like we get a a lot of backstories for Ted. Now they might be exaggerated because of Dottie Lasso in this uh, particular instance, but we're (laughs) learning a lot more about Ted or we're learning at least some stories. We talk about, uh, you know, him having uh, basically like, empathy for the doctors when he first came out and uh, how, you know, Ted's like, well, we can't do that because uh, babies don't have empathy. Right. (laughs) And so then uh, Rebecca offers to show Dottie around the facility, but not the Sherlock Holmes museum, even Mm. though she wants to see that. And then uh, daddy, Dottie asks where she's from. That also leads to a great Tedism as well. Mm -hmm. And then we get to see that the locker room starts to love Dottie Lasso. She's sharing stories about Ted. Um, and then Rebecca asked Ted and says, it must be nice to have his mom visit. He immediately says yes. And then she says, Oklahoma. She, Oklahoma's and him. he admits immediately that it's very weird. So that is, he's definitely like, those two have definitely co-opted Oklahoma from Michelle and Ted, which I think is very interesting, especially for maybe some of you Ted Becca folks out there who are still holding on to the edge of your seat for this last episode. Um, but you know, I think that was interesting because basically Ted's explaining that it's, it's making him feel weird, but Rebecca said, that's what mothers do, Ted. Mm. Uh, and, and I love that uh, Trent introduces himself and starts to do an interview, but immediately Dottie stops him and goes, Trent, your hair is fabulous. James, (laughs) James, buddy, if you're listening again, your hair game has its own, its own life, man. We weren't lying to you. Because you know, like when we asked him that question last week, I was like, should we really ask him about his hair? But Hey, Dottie Lasso, Wants to know about his hair as well. Um, We go around the locker room again. Van Damme needs to wear a mask because, of course, Danny Rojas broke (laughs) his his face. (laughs) And the team is giving him all sorts of hell, but uh, goes over to Jamie. And Jamie is unwilling (laughs) to give him a hard time about it uh, because he says that it's going to be more safe for him as opposed to looking stylish. And so that's when Roy calls out Jamie and asks him to go into the boot room. Roy basically says, like, you need to quit with this team bull crap, bullshit, and you just need to be a prick. You need to be the biggest prick you've ever been. Jamie has the most awkward cry ever filmed <laughs> on television. Uh, it was so This is exquisite, so man. This is exquisite. It was so amazing. Um, 
basically though uh roy's asking him what's wrong and jamie says he doesn't know what's wrong he can't eat he can't sleep and he feels like he's lost his wings um so that's a lot to cover i get that going from rebecca's office all the way to the boot room scene but thoughts jeremy yeah this is again phil's like cry and this is the most weird thing you will ever hear it's exaggerated in any other scene in any other show you would think like this does not work but it totally does for him and i also noted like when they go into the boot room that roy has finally learned his lesson and he checks to see if will is in there first like he goes and he like does a little look around the room before he brings jamie in there but in all honesty Jamie is kind of perfectly encapsulating what like most people say depression feels like, isn't it? You know, like it's just, you know, you can't find the, the joy in anything. You can't find the purpose in anything. You go through the motions, but you don't really know why. Um, yeah, I mean, this is interesting here, but it's also like Roy's reaction to this crying too is just like he has no clue what to do with this. That's why he's got to call in some reinforcements um, and stuff like that. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a really, really great scene. Again, Phil is crushing this episode. We'll get to him in a second there. And you're right. I love that the locker room interaction with Dot they like they like gathered around her like a like the sermon on the mount or something like everybody is just there and the kebabs just keep coming up in this episode everybody's just munching on the 75 kebabs that isaac got um i'm wondering if there's some deeper meaning there i don't know maybe but um yeah this is this is really great stuff here um and i did i don't know if you noticed craig though but the trick plays were still on the board um when roy was writing there now i, got, I didn't notice them. i well, look got at you jeremy geckner i got most of them i got most there was one one in the bottom left corner that I didn't get, but the ones that are still there, Midnight Poutine, obviously. The Upside Down Taxi is still there. I think this is a new one, La Cucaracha. I don't think that was in there last time, which, of course, is the cockroach. The Leaky Tap and Loki's Toboggan. Now, there's one that I couldn't find down there in the bottom left. I'm sure somebody there who can uh, pause the episode better than me will find it. But, yeah, just absolutely fun, fun stuff here. That's awesome. That was something that I definitely didn't pick up on. I did pick up on the kebabs, though, because even Jade has a kebab. The kebabs are everywhere in here. I really want to go get one right now. Uh, so we're now going into the coach's room. Beard starts making a, a bit of a joke about his mom, about Ted's mom, and Ted doesn't get it. Ted's just lost because he's totally lost. <laughs> Ted is Ted is definitely a prog mess in yeah, this, uh, in this particular episode. Higgins comes in and tells Ted about the team going to go talk to Nate and trying to bring him back. They have this wonderful conversation about the uh, city of tooting. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then Ted asks them all for advice. Higgins said, and Roy are really into it. In fact, Roy says something like he's great at the shit I suck at, Yeah, which is very much a Roy Kentism, very... right? <laughs> yeah. That's so... a, the Kentisms. That's what our, that's our new thing. <laughs> Well, this episode has so many Kentisms because did you see how many people went in their Roy Kent voice in this particular episode? Yeah. I counted at least three. We had one from Beard, we had one from Ted, and we had one from Keeley. One from Keeley. Didn't we also have a Jamie, though? Yeah, but there's also Ted um, in the match. Oh, he does. Ted. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but with his modified version of that. But yeah, there's Kentisms everywhere. That's our new segment that we're going to start later on. But th- guys, I'm not kidding. This whole episode is a Tedism. It's nothing but Tedisms, this whole thing. It really is. We could just we could just read you the transcript of the episode. <laughs> um, so while Higgins and Roy are into the idea of bringing Nate back, Beard is very mm. against it. In fact, saying that he's going to burn, burn it. <laughs> this place down to the ground. Very um, Seth Rollins of him. Well done. In, 
Trent brings Dottie into the coach's room. And at that point, it kind of cuts the tension a little bit. She starts to hug all the coaches. But then we see a little bit of Led Tasso come oh, out. Oh, yeah, he's back. Head screams, puts on his visor, and then storms out of the room because he's saying he needs to get back to coaching. Uh, we have a very brief scene at with Roy going to KJPR. And basically, he's going to ask for Keeley's help with Jamie. But Barb, of course, steals the scene because she mentions that Roy looks like maybe he's the plumber uh, here to fix the plumbing. <laughs> Did she, and, though? She has to know who Roy Kent is. I mean, come on. She's got to know. Well, certainly she starts flirting with him. By I the mean, end of is she just too, giving him a hard time or something? In the best way possible. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that was a wonderful little scene. Now, do you want me to stop there, uh, buddy? I guess we already talked about the coach's room a little bit. Yeah, no, let's keep going. Let's get to the, crown, to the crown and anchor, scene. man. Let's get there. All right, so Beard uh, and Dottie are talking at the table, and she asks how Ted is doing because Ted's gone to play the Wizard of Oz pinball machine. And so Beard basically says, well, he's Ted. Uh, so he's, so she says he's still running around in circles, making sure that everybody's okay without accepting a bit of help for himself, which is interesting because in the very little we know about Dottie Lasso, she seems very much the same, right? Yep. 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 (laughs) It doesn't seem like much has changed there. So, uh, you know, Ted clearly, once again, avoidance, he does not, he does not know what to do with the situation here. Yep. Dottie asks Beard about uh, if he's dating someone and Beard gives <laughs> the most wonderful response that absolutely will come up later on in this particular episode. Um, and Ted is actually not playing pinball. May mentions that it works better if you actually play it. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying that he's just giving Beard and Dottie some space. May then talks about moms and dads and hopes and dreams Mm -hmm. and some really great bits of wisdom. We had wonderful bits of wisdom from May to Keeley last episode, and it just continues on here, uh, basically dropping what I put in my notes as a knowledge bomb, not a truth bomb, but a knowledge bomb from May. And uh, so then we're going to get a lot of uh, her talk in the Tedisms later, but then there's a little bit of a, the tinnitus, there's a little bit of a panic attack coming on with Ted. And we actually end the scene by seeing the house, Dorothy's house spinning in the middle of the pinball machine. A lot of wizard of Oz imagery throughout this entire episode. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to get here to get through here. This is why I wanted to get here because there's a lot of stuff to mine from this. So first of all, Yes, I'm glad that you just called it out. The Wizard of Oz is all over this episode. And there's a very, very keen reason as to why. And we're going to get to it probably at the very end here. But you're right. Like, notice not only just the Wizard of Oz pinball machine, which I believe has been there this whole time, right? Like, I think that's been at the Crown and Anchor this whole time. Um, it's not like something that was brought in for this episode. So I, I don't know. Nope, it it's, been, it's been in that corner the whole time. Yeah, it's been in that corner the whole time. So, A, that's just the one thing. When Beard is coming back to the booth, he's actually squ- uh, not singing, but quoting the lyrics to Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road to himself when he says, try to follow the Yellow Brick Road. While the dog of society keeps howling. So that is a line from Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Again, all of that. Um, And what uh, May is actually quoting here, this is a poem. This is a poem by the English po- uh, poet uh, Philip Larkin. It's called This Be the Verse. Um, and he, she does the entire thing here. Um, so she does the entire poem, um, like verbatim. She does this very, very well here. But the whole thing is kind of like this, like, um, 
I don't even know what you call it, like this meditation on, on parents and how, you know, baggage can transfer from one thing's there. Um, I think he said that, that like the, the title of the poem, this be the verse, it's like an allusion to um, Robert Louis Stevenson's Requiem. Um, and I think the quote from that was, uh, this be the verse you grave for me. So there's something about like legacy and how everything is going to like hands down and stuff and how, you know, your parents unwittingly sometimes put their own baggage onto you, but that it's up to you to choose how you react to that. Now, Philip Larkin at the end of this is advocating not having kids. So that's not, you know, the exact thing I think that should be taken from this, but it is once again about the introspection. Again, May is giving us the viewers and Ted specifically permission. You have to deal with this stuff. You cannot avoid it. So yes, Philip Larkin awesome stuff here go read the poem it's absolutely fantastic i think it's from his collection uh, called uh, high windows i think is what it's called so there you go man i i just have to tell you uh, buddy i am like crushing on your level of research here <laughs> i today. went crazy I, this week man you're, yeah you're uh yeah, this is getting me hot and steamy, hot and bothered Ooh, over here there uh, you on go. the podcast no, but here, you, you all are, of your research. You're absolutely right. The Wizard of Oz, I think, is the key thing of this whole episode here. So, you know. <laughs> I love that I said I was getting hot and bothered and, and immediately uh, Jeremy had to bring it back. But remember, we hey, already man. established a couple episodes ago that we've got to make it weird and tell each other that we love each other. Exactly. So I love you, Jeremy. So I love I, you, Craig. As there I move go. forward. So <laughs> now we're going to be back to Ted's apartment. Uh, Ted's mom has uh, brought clips from back home. Did you notice which clip was up front though uh -huh. she had to know that the panic attack clip was the one that was put on I, the top i think there's uh, a reason for this by the way but keep going I'll, I'll tell you in a second Dottie isn't coming to manchester she's going to stay in the apartment she's a bit tired and and also nervous about seeing the match uh she mentions there's a lot of sex going on in the hostel <laughs> so she wants to make sure she gets some sleep she uh asks if the episodes are still happening meaning his panic attacks Ted says that they're not recently because of therapy. And then she comes back immediately when he mentions therapy, she basically negates the therapy and says, Oh, let me guess. It's all my fault. Yeah. She jokes it away. She yeah. Jokes well, it she away. jokes it away, but also kind of like shames therapy almost immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and she hasn't uh, talked to anybody about anything that's going on in her life. She mentions that she also mentions her love of tea which is kind of interesting uh, mm -hmm. considering so, what we know about Mr. Lasso. Yeah. Um, and then we do go to the loading of the bus for the team match. Rebecca's going to be on the bus along with Higgins because Nora is pretty upset <laughs> that she's going around in her private plane because of the goddamn environment. I was about to say, I wrote uh, it as a tedism, but it's got to be said here because Higgins say the way he says goddamn environment. <laughs> it's just fantastic. And then Jamie is over there and the couple is trying to get a, a selfie with him, but then he takes their phone and just takes their picture. He takes a picture of them. <laughs> this is Phil and then this uh, Roy and Keely, uh, Keely mentions that she's going to go and talk to Roy, but let's talk about this scene uh, getting us on our way to Manchester, England, England. Yes, man. Uh, there's, Okay, so like a the loading of the bus. Jamie also uh, high fives a dude with his forehead. I Phil Dunster is gold. He is absolutely gold in this whole season, but specifically this episode. And yeah, I mean, like I don't know if they came up with that on the spot, but taking the couple's phone to take a picture of them is just genius. It's comedy genius here. Um, I also noted in the scene with uh, with Ted's mom. Mancunians is how you say people from Manchester. I did not know this at all. Um, in the episode, I was like, is that really what they're called? Mancunians. And then Arlo White says it later in the match. So I was like, 
All right. I guess people from Manchester are Mancunians. I don't understand that at all, but there. Um, but no, I did note, like you, uh, Craig, that like the Ted, like the 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 article on the top was the panic attack one. Now I'm of the persuasion that I think that his mom has been watching him with these struggles from across the pond there, right? And I think that she not only does want to know that he's okay, but I think she might have a little bit of like a Trojan horse thought experiment type thing of here to ask of how he has dealt with this. Because clearly he's gotten past it to the point where he's, you know, still coaching and still doing things. But, you know, like I think she might be putting a little thought experiment out there. It's just like, oh, so this worked for you type of thing before then when it gets real again, avoidance, you have to push it away. You have to joke it away. So I don't know. Maybe that's where I was kind of going there that maybe she's wanting to get some help, but she just can't get that push there, you know? Yeah, I think that she's focusing on the panic attacks because if he's having panic attacks, she she says later on, we know that her ultimate end game for being there is to tell him that Henry is missing him yeah. and that he needs to come home, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the reason why she's bringing up the panic attacks is because perhaps Ted was better at hiding it while he was in the States. I'm sure he yeah. still had the panic attacks. But if they weren't publicized until he went to England, then maybe she's thinking if he's still having those panic attacks, if he's still having that negative going on in his life, that that will also be a reason to send him back to uh, the States as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting uh, conundrum there because obviously, yeah, like Dottie's reason for being there. Leads me to believe that she's actually willing to try to seek or better herself, like seek help or better herself. Um, That's. But, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a shallow or callous look at her. But it's just like that's it seems like she's the anti-therapy. She is Ted Lasso from season one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's an interesting uh, situation there. You know, like I'm wondering if the ulterior motive is just simply that or if there is a little bit of that because clearly she hasn't dealt with any of the stuff herself as well. So, you know, there's part of this that has to be, and, you know, Ted's going to call that out at the end there. But again, avoidance, avoidance of things does not lead to good, good results. It just doesn't. You have to deal with stuff head on there. Um, but, you know, the goddamn environment is uh, making us uh, head on up to Manchester, England, England. <laughs> but before we do, we do get one more shot at the Taste of Athens. And Derek is pointing out to customers, uh, did you know who this was or, or who he was? And I think he actually used the, the phrase who he was who he was uh, in the past tense what a dick move Derek yeah isn't this Um, the second time somebody's confused him for his son this season too I'm pretty sure that's happened at least one other time (laughs) yes and then uh the the patrons are asking if it was drugs that led him to leave West Ham United um and so it is a little bit of a funny scene there but yes I mean we get to Manchester England England Uh, every time we say it we have to it's contractually obligated that we do that Uh, (laughs) they did it in the episode so it's totally fine but uh Jamie and uh, Keely are starting to talk and she tells him that Roy is worried about him. And Jay-Z, Jamie said that he's the best he's ever been. Um, <laughs> sure, but then he starts to get kind of like nervous. He starts to get kind of worried and you can see that Jamie is actually doing some breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, he, Keely mentions to him that the fans will be hating him and that his dad will be in the crowd. He's basically bringing up all these potential stressors <laughs> that Jamie's having. Um, But then after that, we cut to the team watching You've Got Mail. And this was a scene that got people talking because they released a still image of Rebecca and Ted watching some movie. uh, And 
no one knew the context of that, of course. And but Craig, what's I, I the end? What, what's the ending song of "You've Got Mail"? Mm, somewhere, somewhere over the over rainbow. The rainbow. <laughs> So Keely tells Roy that she just made it worse. Uh, and then Danny points out that he really likes seeing Keely and Roy together, but they're both very quick to say, mainly Keely says that they are just friends. And then we get somewhere over the rainbow playing at the end of you've got mail and all of the team is crying, but Sam looks back at Rebecca uh -huh. and then Rebecca gives a brief smile uh -huh. over to Sam. Higgins is in absolute tears. <laughs> Jamie surprisingly is showing no emotion at all, which is interesting because we just saw him cry in a previous scene. Mm. Keely has fallen asleep on Roy's shoulder. That's great. Uh, Ted is saying that sleepless in Seattle is the superior film. True statement. And then True. <laughs> They break, of course, on the phrase, uh, they break on the word Efron, uh, and they talk about Nora Efron, who, of course, wrote You've Got Mail and brought it to screen. And, you know, that that is really a callback. And, of course, all of you Ted Lasso fans know that a long time ago, Jason was asked about Ted Lasso, and he basically said that it was as if Nora Efron wrote a uh sports film mm -hmm. and so that is of course a callback to that quote i think and also just you know we've gotten a you've got male reference a ton in this particular uh season especially those like opening shots of richmond and kind of the shops all opening oh, up yeah it was definitely some you got mail maybe even more you got mail almost more than wizard of oz in this season yeah a little bit for the entire season now wizard of oz dominates this episode um again not even just in the sense of somewhere over the rainbow um being there which of course at this point if you're starting to notice all these signs in this episode when you're watching it you start Start to get to the conclusion that this is leading Ted home. This is what we're this is what we're heading towards. Um, and so more on that in a little bit here. Um, again, Phil Dunster absolutely on fire. The uh, this whole suitcase thing about it being a drawer without a home. Um, again, like feeling that, that, out of that's place. That's what That's why I didn't say it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. See, I had to do it at it's least fine. once. Yeah, it's fine. You know what? Actually, um, one of our most uh, wonderful fans in the uh, peanut butter biscuits. Uh, Ryan, who is an athletic trainer, by the way. So I was going to call her out later on in this episode because the athletic trainers come and save the day. Yeah. Uh, but I, she mentioned that she actually likes it when we say the Tedisms during the recap, and then we ah. also say them during Tedism. So it's totally fine. So vindicated. Ryan Thank approves. you very much. Ryan vindicating me and my, no, I'm kidding. Um, there's, <laughs> there is, I think a, a really fun thing here too, though, is that did you notice when like when we get like right before all this Sam Rebecca stuff, it's literally the line that Meg Ryan says at the end of this movie where she says, I wanted it to be you. They're just messing with us at this point, Craig. They're just messing with us. This is just them absolutely toying with all of our emotions. Um, I, I don't even know here. Um, I did find it hilarious, though, that Keely is the only one who fell asleep during this, who, you know, you would think that she would be there with it. But she's probably watched this film way more than all these guys. I'm pretty sure at the end we like uh, established that this might be the first time most of these guys are watching this movie. Um, yes, Ted is correct. Sleepless in Seattle, a far superior film. And I don't, you might not notice this unless you watch with the subtitles like I did, but when they all break and Jamie's leaving the room in the background, Ted is literally not stopping in talking about how much better sleepless in Seattle is. He keeps talking about it for the rest of this scene. So he's just on this like sleepless in Seattle evangelism tour in this room here, but this is just great stuff again. Uh, but Hey, we got to call this out, Craig. They they did a movie night instead of a pillow fight. I thought one pillow fight, they'd never choose movie night again. 
You are correct, sir. And you know what? I'll tell you that we uh, we did a poll. We've done so many polls about movie night versus pillow fight in our PB&B group going back to that episode in season one. And well, I mean, we started the podcast in season two, but pillow fight has always gotten closer and closer and closer to taking that top prize. I think maybe the final time we offer it, uh, maybe after the season is over, hopefully pillow fight, my pillow fighters come out of the woodwork (laughs) and make sure you vote in that poll. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Because, uh, Ted is incorrect here now. Okay. So well, is it technically, no, let's, let's, let's get technical here, everybody. So is it because it wasn't a team organized pillow fight? So uh, Ted always says movie night or pillow fight, you give your choice. And the pillow fight that we had gotten in Amsterdam was really kind of happenstance based on the fact that they couldn't figure out where to go. Yeah, and there's every uh, possibility that the bill from that pillow fight might have discouraged the team from ever having a pillow fight in a hotel again because um, those pillows were absolutely wrecked. And if I remember correctly, Sam was coughing up feathers on the bus afterwards, so maybe some health detriments as well. So maybe Rebecca and Higgins have decreed no more pillow fights. Who knows? Who knows, guys? Who's to say? Yeah, perhaps. But now we get uh, Roy and Keeley following Jamie out of the hotel. He's going to end up going to his childhood home. On the way, uh, we get these kids that just give Jamie the business. <laughs> they give him all sorts of hell. Uh, and then they won't give Roy any kind of hell because they're terrified of him. But then Roy, of course, calls them good lads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get into um, into his childhood home. We get to meet his stepdad and then also uh, his mom as well. Jamie explains to his mom this thing about fans being mad at him on Twitter about his, his hair. His hair by the way. Like he totally just goes like he totally just goes all kid here, right? And like oh. is just laying in his mom's lap and everything else. Um, we get a, a cutaway shot of Nate and Jade. Nate, it's in their apartment, and Nate's asking Jade about like has she ever considered doing a happy hour at Taste of Athens? Jade tells Her him line is that great. she doesn't think about work after she's done with work ever. Um, and or while she's really there, weird. <laughs> yeah, or while she's there, it's also uh, really weird how great of a waiter that Nate is because he's really a coach. And he needs to go back to Richmond. She says that uh, they want him back. He should go back. Nate says that after the season, he will go back to coaching, but it just won't be at Richmond. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nate then goes on to talk about nuts and how they make people thirsty and how you're selling them $5 beers for five cent (laughs) peanuts. It's pretty genius. And how it's a a very genius plot uh, for all of us. So now the next time people that you go to some Texas roadhouse and you get yourself all thirsty (laughs) with peanuts, you just remember Nathan Shelley and he's the, working you over, uh, man. <laughs> the manipulation that Texas Roadhouse is doing to you. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like Texas Roadhouse is the one that immediately comes to mind when I think about peanuts. Sorry, defenders and servers and people that love Texas Roadhouse. Please do not write me at frontrowlasso at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, Didn't we come up with a we came up with one of an email for you last episode? So this could be <laughs> Craig yeah. doesn't hate Texas Roadhouse at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Gotta have that one uh, as well. We're gonna have a fun army of email addresses after this. Um so a couple of things here with this scene. 
the song that they're playing here again they are crushing the music this this season uh they might have gotten like krista miller from uh shrinking over here to do this because they are crushing the music this year this song is uh why can't i touch it by the buzzcocks now that seems like a very dirty title and song name but actually this is one of the this is a band from manchester um and they're actually like one of the forefront of like the indie rock bands that came from this kind of uh, music scene and the whole song is actually really about being unsure of yourself um like the main lyrics of this is one repeating thought over and over again but it basically goes well it seems so real i can see it well it seems so real i can feel it well it seems so real i can taste it well it seems so real i can hear it so why can't i touch it and i think that literally what this song is signifying here is that you just something just continues to be off with you you know everything seems like it's there you know the senses are working everything seems like it should be in place but there's still something off about it there's still something that doesn't seem right with your world and this is clearly where jamie's at here he can't quite put a, 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 a like a figurehead to what's going on inside of his mind so naturally just as we saw with nate uh, after he left west ham and as my wife said so brilliantly, sometimes you just need your mom. Sometimes you really just need your mom or, 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 you know, any parent really. But sometimes you just need that person who you know is going to support you no matter what and is going to listen to you and going to show you that unconditional love. Um, and, you know, it's it's fantastic in that. And I love that uh, Jamie's mom, Georgie, here has found that herself in this Simon guy who is I'm sorry, but very Ted-like. I mean, I'm pretty sure you caught up on that. He's a very Ted-like character. He's very supportive and nice. He cooks. Uh, he seems like a very, very good person there. Um, everything about this, we'll get to the, more of that. But yes, you're right. Jade clearly sees that Nate is wasting his potential, and uh, she's hatching a plan, and it's going to come to fruition. I think Jade might be a ninja because um, she's very good at planning, and she disappears at a moment's notice. She sure does, without any smoke either. Yeah. So – these next scenes, we get some intercutting of the scenes between Roy and Keeley and then also Jamie and his mom. What I've done is I've just kind of put these scenes together good, so that good. way we can just talk about them together. So I'm going to talk about Jamie and his mom, and then I'm going to go talk about Roy and Keeley inside Jamie's room. Um, but basically, Jamie is asking his mom if she's heard from his dad, and Jamie hasn't talked to him since Wembley. And then uh, Jamie says that it feels like he's impotent in his soul. Man. because of his dad which is a, a really interesting is, <laughs> like uh, we could really dive into that but yeah. she uh, explains to him that his dad is never going to change and that jamie is amazing because he thought that he had to prove his dad wrong and so what that did was make him amazing mm. she mm -hmm. also said that she cried when he came on to the pitch for uh. england mm. um she mentioned that yes his dad will be up in the stands but it won't matter because Jamie has nothing left to prove to him. So that's what we get from Jamie and his mom. On the Roy and Keeley side of things, inside of Jamie's room, uh, Jamie has a Roy Kent poster and a Keeley poster on the <laughs> Can wall. Can we talk about these posters, man? We need to talk about these posters because the, the hair on Roy is absolutely amazing. I mean, I need that poster on my wall. And, and, and like the Keeley poster is what was funnier for me because like I was trying to imagine like how old Jamie was when he was in this room because like <laughs> Keeley looks like she does now like today right and so it's just like when did he buy this Keeley Jones poster you know <laughs> what I mean and like aren't they the same age about 
I mean, like, he's they that haven't seemed to have changed his room, so maybe he just comes back from time to time and keeps adding to it. I don't know, but it, well, it's pretty Simon fantastic. Well, mentions that a lot of players have come and go, but Roy Kent has always stayed. That so was maybe. that was so sweet. Yeah, I mean, he listed Thierry Henry, um, Gerard, Gerard, and um, yeah, Pele, and and it's just like um, yeah, Ronaldo as well. It's just like you know all these players, but like it's been there. And again, this really this gives you so much added context to the conversation Roy and Jamie have. In the For the Children episode in season one, where Jamie talks about, you know, having his poster on his wall and looking up to him and, you know, Roy being his idol for so long and stuff like that. It just really shows you this really great long arc of the friendship between Roy and Jamie that really kind of only has to start in that episode. Absolutely. But uh, before we talk more about these two kind of scenes inside of Jamie's house, Roy mentions to Keeley that he wants to be more than just friends. She then grabs his hand. They start to have some kind of conversation and Jamie walks in and breaks it up. Um, and so after that, basically, we get the scene of them leaving and uh, of Roy trying to flirt with Jamie's mom as well yeah. and Keely <laughs> dragging him away. But talk to me about this childhood home of Jamie Tart. You know, it's interesting to me, like this whole idea that that basically Jamie is stunted because of his father. Now, mm-hmm. like, yeah, story wise. Why is that happening now and why didn't it happen earlier? Is it because he knows he has it circled on the calendar that Man City is coming up and he knows that his dad is going to be rooting against him in that moment? Is that what we're led to believe here? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, I think what Jamie is subconsciously dealing with this whole episode is, you know, Ted Lasso's famous dealing of uh, father issues, you know, and um, how fathers impart on their sons and how that for better or for worse leads to the outcomes that happen. And what Jamie is ultimately dealing with here is kind of an amalgam of what Keeley says in the hotel too, which is they are really close to achieving the dream that Jamie's probably had since he was a kid. Because if I remember right in Jamie's room, he has a little statue of the premier league trophy or the world cup trophy, one of the two. Um, But I think the world cup trophy changes a little bit every year. So I think it's the premier league trophy. Um, And so Jamie's been dreaming of winning this Premier League trophy probably his whole career. And he's very close to it now. Like, if he can deliver a great game here against Man City, they might be on the precipice of it. They will be on the precipice of it. But to do that, he's not only got to slay the white whale of the team of Richmond, he not only has to overcome his own baggage of being of use to play there for a team that's won a lot of Premier League championships, but without him. Um, And then, you know, having to leave that because of his own selfish ambitions, acting a lot like his father acts. Um, and, and getting kicked off of that team and then all of a sudden he's here he's being the best version of himself he's the best player he's ever been and yet still still there it is he can't get over the fact that his dad is going to be there and that he's going to mm-hmm. be rooting against him and that if we remember right from literally the two aces episode in season one he literally talked about this about how his dad was always pushing him to be the best and always pushing him to be tough and not do that and how much he hated that and that ultimately all he ever wanted to do was to make his mom happy that's it he just wanted to wanted her to know that he was happy playing the game he loved um and so this has just been this really long arc of jamie having to understand and what his mom says is so important there that It's not about him anymore. You don't owe him anything anymore. You don't need to prove anything to him. And I mean, I wrote it down as the Tedism, but it's just like, you know, what you are right now, who you are right now is enough. 
It's enough right now. You don't have to worry about him. You don't have to worry about anything but being you, and that is enough. And, man, sometimes moms and, and parents and all that are the only ones who can deliver that message in a way you can hear. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, even still, like, it's hard to hear it sometimes because you feel like you could do more or that there's there's something else that you can give to that. Uh, I thought it was interesting seeing the Roy and Keeley of it all yes, inside question. his room as well, because, you know, at the end of this last episode, we're kind of led to believe that they're going to be a couple. Again. Same thing. So Is this the- a joke? <laughs> like the the fact that the fact that they they're saying that they're only friends here and that they're only friends when Danny Rojas asked them about that, I you know like is this like you're the one that knows the Zach and Kelly effect or whatever the <laughs> hell you've been calling it for forever. So what is going on here, Jeremy? Scientifically proven Zach and Kelly theory. Um, yeah, this this weirded me out a little bit because at the end of the last episode, I was convinced it's like okay, it's there now. Maybe. What is happening here is that they're not ready to like let everyone else know that they're a couple again or that they're back together. Um, maybe both of them have decided like, oh, that was a one off so that we're cool with each other. I don't think so, though. And so that's why I thought what they were doing with Danny was just like misdirect, you know, it was just like kind of like joking around because they don't want people to know they're back together yet. But here this feels very sincerely like they're not together again completely yet. Is that the sense you were getting? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the sense I was getting. And then also Roy is the one that's bringing it up like, no, I want to be more than friends. Yeah. And then we get a little bit of that dialogue, but then Jamie breaks it up in their, in his room, which again is just like a really funny, like the fact that he's like, <laughs> you know, he's got these characters because like we all had people on our wall, but yeah. like in a way, those people that you put up on a poster on the wall, those are more like caricatures of who they are rather mm. than the actual person. And so it's just really funny that he's like, he's got his, you know, like he's got his childhood uh, idols here on his bed. And of course, people that he's become intimately related with uh, Keely more intimately, maybe than Roy uh, as well, you know, but, but I just, I don't know. Roy seen his bottom half that naked, they decided man. to go this direction with it, that it, they're not just immediately together. Yeah. Well, I mean, Roy has seen his bottom half naked. Um, no, I, there is, there, there is just this very real sense. And I, I noted this as well uh, in my notes here is that, that camera, it shifts to those two posters side by side, I think, for a very big reason there. And I think you're right. It's because these are like the false versions of these two people than the ones that we know now. And especially when you get to the end scene with the three of them hanging out in the training room, you know, like it seems like all of them have arrived at this really great moment of friendship here. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I don't know what else needs to happen with Roy and Keeley, but that did just kind of like weird me out a little bit, just that conversation. Cause it was like, I thought we, I thought we did this already, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I trust the writers. I mean, and at the very least Breton and uh, Juno acted the hell out of it. Like they always do, but yeah, just like, come on guys. Like the once Zach and Kelly got back together, they got back together. Okay. Like you, you got to no get more AC together. Slater. They're yeah, back together. Sl- Slater um, is back with Jesse. Now it's all right. <laughs> All right, so we get this really brief scene of Ted back in his hotel room. Uh, Keely's on the TV again. Yes. <laughs> nice callback to make Rebecca great again. Um, and then also, the her he's texting with his mom, and his mom mentions at this point that she wishes that she would have come. Ugh. And okay, so this you have these moments in your life, like 
I like I felt this in my soul and this is my parents are wonderful and my parents actually have not done this to me, but we've had friends or we've had other people that have like regretted a decision that they made. And then they text you in the middle of that, like you're out at an event or something like that. And it kind of bums you out. Right. Because then they're like, Oh, well, I wish that I would have came to that. Or, Oh, I wish that I had a babysitter or I wish that, you know, whatever. And it's just like, People, this is your PSA. Don't do that to your friends because <laughs> then it just it just makes them feel bad. Uh, and so Dottie Lasso makes Ted feel bad here. Now, what I will tell you is the match day scene I did in my notes as one big, huge block. Ooh, all there right. is a lot that happens here, though. So I think that uh, what I want you to do, Jeremy, is as I'm reading through this, once you jump, want to say something, just jump in and I'll stop. Okay. Yeah. Well, before you because... do that, though, two two things that I missed here, right? One, uh, Ted's Wi-Fi password is barbecue sauce, which is great because <laughs> with you, a, with an ad symbol with an ad symbol for the A, which is great. And I didn't mention this, but when we sang Manchester, England, England, uh, if you're wondering, folks, that's from the musical Hair. So once again, all of the people, um, the Ted Lasso, big musical theater geeks like us. And uh, the last thing was, I don't know if you noticed in, in Keeley's like little speech there. Again, watching with the subtitles is great, but she says that we've got the latest workout technology like yoga mats. I yeah, like, I, I did love that. I was like, yoga mats. Okay, sure, why not? All right, game day, baby. Game day. Here we go. Blue moon. You saw me standing alone. <laughs> so blue moon's going on because we are in Manchester City uh, for the Man City-Richmond match. Uh, Richmond, actually, it's noted because, of course, Keeley brings up that it should they should have their own song. And we get this great story <laughs> about Freddie Mercury owning the team in the 80s yes. and how they tried to do Fat Bottom Girls. But then Higgins delivers an excellent Tedism yeah, that we'll yeah, get yeah. back to later. We cut to the crown and anchor. It is absolutely packed. In fact, May says to our three <laughs> buddies, "What? how many beers do you want? And then they say three. And then she says, what if I can't get back to you before halftime? And they say 12, 12, (laughs) which seems about right. (laughs) They're getting lots of beers. That's four beers each before halftime. That's a 45 minute halftime. Hey guys, Um, Craig and I are going to the St. Louis city match here pretty soon. We'll let you know how many beers we drink before half. (laughs) It is very funny. This is real life. This is behind the pod. I messaged him and his wife who I'm going with. And I said, we absolutely need to book a hotel because there's no way we're driving back. So, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. don't worry, fair listeners, we will be Ubering to the stadium and Ubering back uh, as well. Uh, <laughs> we will make sure we keep ourselves safe. But uh, we'll be watching on that Facebook page because we're for sure going to be doing lots of uh, pictures from City Park down you in betcha. St. Louis. You betcha. You betcha, man. All right. So then the city fans are letting Jamie know that they're there. They're, uh, you they Mancunians. No, they're letting him have it. And then uh, as we start the match, everybody's being really chippy on Jamie as well. Nate is actually watching the match at the Taste of Athens. Right away in the match, though, we get Colin scoring on a header. It was off an assist from Jamie and Bumbercatch. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Arlo White even says that Jamie is looking two plays ahead, two yeah. passes ahead. Well, and this is yeah, a so- this is a uh, extension of what Jamie was talking about. He's the one who's making total football work. You know, he's the one who knows. And why does he know? Because he used to play for Pep. He used to play for Pep, the person who pioneered this as a player and used it as a coach. So Jamie's fulfilling his full potential here. Yeah, absolutely. We get this great little scene where Higgins doesn't want to move after (laughs) they've scored because he doesn't want to jinx the match. So he's just going to stay in the same position. He's jinxed things Um, at match day before. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
And then I put in my notes because it's a callback all the way to the hope that kills you. But Van Dam is making more saves than a Baptist preacher Holy in this particular crap. match. He is just all over the place. He is doing crazy moves. He's got some great skills. Again. And clearly, you know, we talked to Mo Judy Lamore uh, quite a while ago, and he mentioned that he has been watching keepers because he's interested in them now. And that he's been working with a soccer coach to improve his soccer skills. This guy's making some jumps, man. Oh, he's man. This, great. Is, this is great stuff. And for all you St. Louis City fans, uh, he's looking like Roman Berkey back there. My God, like he is stopping everything. And these saves are fantastic. And again, Shows you not just the passing and stuff, but like, you know, Van Dam is playing his his best football right now, too. Absolutely. So then uh, we cut ahead to the 80th minute. Now, what I will say, this is not a criticism of the show. If I were to criticize the show, it seemed like the 80th to 90 minutes uh, plus stoppage time was longer than the previous <laughs> 79 minutes of the match. But um, pretty but true. But Jamie, that's kind of what they do, man. That's always what they've done. <laughs> Jamie does this kind of crazy, wicked, like roundhouse above the head kick to save a goal in the 80th minute. And he lands on his ankle and he is injured. Um, they're going to go and check him out. And Ted decides to play with 10 people. This is the Tedism that comes up where I was going to mention <laughs> Ryan and the athletic trainer. So I'll talk about it during Tedism for sure. Yeah. Um, now she's going to get three mentions in this episode. Look at so that. I'm sure I'm going to get a message. It's like, oh my gosh, Keep going. I can't believe it. But Pep, <laughs> Uh, Pep looks at him like he's crazy. Did you notice that little look when yeah. uh, the official asks if he's going to play with 10 players and Ted's like, sure, let's do it. You yeah. know? And then Pep looks over like, are you nuts? What, what are you doing <laughs> here? Yeah. And I, but I mean, it's not like a uh, mean spirited one at all either. It's just kind of like, huh? Like you're going to play with 10 players right now. And again, Ted's got, he's got faith in his guys, man. They're playing their best football. Yeah, so Nate comes to Derek's office and is instructed that he is going to be fired. <laughs> the reason why he's being fired because Jane has asked Jade has asked that uh, Derek fire him, and it comes into being like Derek goes, "Well, because she would report me to the," and then he kind of trails off and <laughs> he doesn't elaborate yeah. because we don't know exactly what Derek's done wrong. Okay, but, but he must have done something wrong. Sidebar here: Was he doing cocaine before he got out there? Because it looked like it. He was rubbing I his think... nose and then he. Put Put a mirror away. I think Derek's like doing some cocaine here. Absolutely. Uh, Derek is a, Derek is a interesting fellow for <laughs> sure that loves his uh, West Ham United. At least he loves his waiter that used to be the <laughs> right, right, uh, manager right. at West Ham United. So then Jamie is talking to Ted. He says that he can't find his dad in the crowd and that it's really messing with him. Mm. And then, uh, so Ted goes, well, what would you say to your dad in this moment? And this is going to, come back in a big bad way later on in our episode because jamie says that he would tell him to fuck him and then he would say thank him mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. ted talks about forgiveness in this moment and how forgiveness is just a gift to himself meaning that if he if jamie forgives his father he's really just giving a gift to himself to jamie uh so then at this point jamie decides that he can go back in jamie scores after dribbling past like more Man City players than you thought could be on the pitch at any given moment. And then after that, Jamie is substituted out of the game 
But after he is, the city fans give him a rousing ovation, round of applause, and we even cut back to some of the players that had been giving him hell earlier, and they are giving him uh, a lot of praise and clapping him on as well. And then this is where we see Jamie's dad's friends that are drinking at the match, and they say something like, uh, "He, Jamie's dad would have really loved to be here. Yeah, what did and you think at this moment, moment? Did you think that he was dead? I did think he was dead. And I mean, cause I was, I mean, I, I know that we get our, that. we get our answer seconds later, but in the, in the moment I thought he was dead. No, I was thinking that for a long time. I, I was thinking that maybe that that was going to be the case at like, you know, and I thought that would be like the impetus for most of this, that Jamie couldn't get closure with his dad because his dad was dead. Now we learned that that is not true. Um, all of the death like predictions this year just did not come true. Um, so I, well, I don't know. There's still an episode left. Um, but yeah. And, and I, you know, to go on with you there, like seeing him, I'm going to guess this is like some kind of rehab halfway house of some kind. It didn't, I don't think it quite looked like a mental hospital. Um, no, you know? no, I thought it was a rehab for sure. Yeah, like, and it, I don't think it's a prison. I don't know what British no, prisons I, look like. But, I thought it um, was a, I thought it was a rehab facility. And then to see that he was like smiling and clapping uh, Jamie on, oh, uh, man. was was really heartwarming for yeah, me. Yeah, but so. I mean, like at the same time, like, sorry, James Star Senior, you still suck for so many reasons. But like, you're right. It was, man. It's just the power of like forgiveness like ted was talking yeah. about and letting go and just like yeah his dad isn't is no longer rooting for man city his dad is rooting for him and he's feeling this immense amount of pride in his son and that it's just it's there and like you know he's healing himself in that moment as well it's just so insane like how how hard that hits from a character that you hate for all of this time before Absolutely. But Richmond has won. They beat their white whale. They've won two nil. The premier league title comes down to next week. And Arlo white says it's actually going to be a crazy scenario. So what do we think the crazy scenario is going to be there, Jer? So here's, here's the situation. They were down by four points to man city at the top of the table at the start of this game, because Richmond won. That means they get three points. That means that the man city lead now is one point. And for those of you who don't know how the premier league works, there are no playoffs. It literally is. You get to the end of the season, the team with the most points wins. So you get one point for a draw. You get three points for a win. No points for a loss my scenario here craig is i don't know who they're going to play in their last game but i think that man city is going to tie because man city can right now can still win the premier league with a win in their last match they would get three points and even if richmond won with their three points that would still put man city up by one point so i think man city draws in their final game whoever it is and that means that if richmond can pull out the win they will win the premier league by one single point I think that or if they or if they tie, they will lose the Premier League by one point. Now, <laughs> if they if they've played Man City this week, there's only one op- there's only one option for who the team is next week, right? Feels like it needs to be West Ham, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, we got to get some closure to Rupert. We're gonna get we're gonna get his assistant. We're gonna get Bex well, coming to. I mean, Rebecca I guess that makes on. sense because we haven't played West Ham again. Usually, Premier League teams all play each other at least twice. So, I mean, that makes sense. Um, and maybe if that is Nate's homecoming to Richmond, that's where he kind of exercises the last of his Darth Vader demons, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll find out next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. But I I thought it was really fun that Pep uh, repeats exactly what What Ted said to Trent Krim. What do you think of this? In that season one episode about meeting the players and and making the players into the best versions of themselves on and off the pitch, regardless of the wins and losses. 
I just thought that that was incredibly heartwarming. And so in the reality of the show, so he's playing himself right in this, in this yes. episode. Yes. He's a, he's a real life manager. He's playing himself. <laughs> um, but in the life of the show, I took this to mean that pep in at, in man city, read the uh, independent article that Trent Krim did on Ted Lasso and that it impacted him enough to where he remembered that quote. And so he repeated it back to Ted. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought that what was happening here was Pep is literally bought into the Lasso way. You know, like yeah. they're like Ted's lasso way is literally not only infecting. That's a weird way to say that, but not only like you know injecting itself into Richmond, but the rest of the Premier League, and that everybody's understanding that the wins and losses are not the most important thing. That those will follow if you're making these players the best versions of themselves. So yeah, I, I thought the exact same thing as you, Craig. Absolutely. So as the team rolls back into Richmond and fat bottom girls is playing, uh, which I just love official Richmond song, I guess, man. (laughs) Yep. The team is going to go out. Isaac says to make sure that they take a water with every alcoholic beverage, not a bad uh, piece of advice there by Isaac McAdoo for all of us to think about. Beard wants to take Ted out to karaoke, but Ted says that he can't because his mom's in town. But then he says, Hey, I want to show you something. And he Mm. shows him the video of Nathan ripping the believe sign and then hiding under the desk for hours after the believe sign is ripped because not only were all of them celebrating for like three hours ted (laughs) says but then the cleaning crew comes in for another couple of hours as well and so um ted gives this amazing quote which absolutely will appear in tedisms Mm -hmm. about second chances and beard gives his best roy kent and just goes yep yep so question question for you here about this right what what is Ted's purpose with showing him like the five hours? Because I know I know the big thesis, you know I know that his big thesis, which is going to lead to the next scene. But like, what is what is he doing by showing like the comicness of Nate's situation after he does this? I, I think I have an idea, but have you thought about that? I see that it, I don't see it as a comic. Uh, I see it as the literal personification of Nate's lowest moment because mm. here he is cowering under a desk because he's done something that is so beyond the pale that we, uh, as an audience, will no longer be in support of him. And so he's already made his villain turn, but he didn't confidently make that turn. He then is cowering under a desk because it is his lowest moment, which is why Ted says that he hopes that people don't, uh, you know, that either all of us or none of us are judged at what we do in our weakest moments. Yeah. And so that's where I got, that's what I got. out of. I was in the same way there because like, there is this like there's this juxtaposition, isn't there, that like Nate has done this dastardly thing, this very, very evil thing. I mean, there's no two ways about it, like a, a very evil act. And yet still, he doesn't do it with any kind of or any amount of confidence that he can just walk out and just like feel like, you know, yeah, this is who I am here. He still has his own insecurities. He still has his own vulnerabilities that lead him to not be able to like, even when it's the cleaning crew, like who cares if it's the cleaning crew, if you're about to like walk out of this place forever, you know, but he still cares. And so I think there's a, 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 not only just the, you know, being judged by your, your, your worst moments and stuff, but like, there's also the sense I think of showing beard that like, even now in this act that you like cannot forgive him for even during and in the midst of that very act of evil, 
he's still this like insecure Nate the Great that you've known. Like he's still like can't even like get himself out from under the table. He can't face anyone. So it's just like the Nate that you, you know, fell in love with that all of us did is still there even in this moment. Even in this dastardly moment, he's still there. But, you know, it's just buried and stuff. So, yeah, I, I was just wondering what your thoughts on that were. Because I was like, man, this is an interesting scene of why he's... Because, you know, he's laughing it up. He's whooping and hollering it up about, like, you know, like all the stuff that he's going through. And it just kind of, like, stuck out to me. I was like, man, why? Why is that happening? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that you've got a really good point there. And um, interesting to see where it will go on from here with the beard and Nathan uh, of it all in the next episode as well. But Jamie does text his dad and then Roy and Keely come in to keep him company and celebrate. You notice that Ted walks by, but then doesn't join them because mm -hmm. I think it, it sort of like symbolizes to me that this trifecta uh, of Keely, Roy and Jamie really needed a moment to be able to celebrate by their, by themselves. Now we go back to Nate and Jade. Nate mentions that he was fired. Jake goes, Oh, I can't believe you were <laughs> that fired. That was really good uh, line delivery there. That was really funny. <laughs> It really was. And then he has an apology written for Ted because he's realized that he really does need to go back to Richmond. And How make long is it, right. Craig? His apology is 60 pages long. <laughs> Too long. So he's looking Too long, to Nate. Do, some, <laughs> do some trimming. Um, but then we get a we get a ring or a knock at the door. I can't remember exactly which one it was. I think a ring, right? It's like a and buzz Beard or something. Is at yeah. the door. Oh, no, it was a buzz yeah. because it's an apartment. Okay. So Beard is at the door. Um, and then Beard talks about meeting Ted as backup oh. kickers in college football. Yeah. Uh, Ted went on to coaching, but then Beard actually ended up in prison. Then after his parole, Beard uh, was taken in by Ted. And so, of course, how did Beard repay him? He immediately stole his car. He was going to go back to prison, but Ted convinced the police that he allowed Beard to borrow it. And so then Nate says, oh, that's a lot like Les Mis. And then Beard <laughs> acknowledges, yes, it's a lot like Les Mis. Yes. And then, uh, except for he said, they, <laughs> Nathan you can goes, do it. Well, what did you go to prison for? And he said, I went to prison for stealing, stealing a loaf, a of, loaf meth. of meth. <laughs> Not quite the loaf of bread that Jean Valjean stole. Um, oh, man. But the moral of the story is that Ted forgave him. And so to honor that, Beard is going to forgive Nate. And then uh, Nathan says, Are you sure you don't want to just headbutt me? Because that would make us both feel better. And so there is a second there where he changes around his hat. But of course, he puts his head to Nathan's Ugh. head. Gives him a big hug and then says to be at practice at Monday at 10 a.m. Now, you said that, sir, that Jamie Tart's Emmy Reel was in this particular episode. But dare I say that Brendan Hunt brings it like crazy in this monologue. And, you know, we Beard has been one of those characters. I mean, we don't even know his first name, right? Like Beard has been one of those characters. And, and we also don't know, is, is Beard a, a nickname or a, a last name, right? <laughs> uh, but he's one of those characters that's full of mystery. And we found out that he's from Peoria, Illinois, as uh, all great people are from oh. the great state of Illinois, Illinois the land man. of Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln. Uh, why? I don't know what else we can say about the, the state of Illinois. Barack Obama. Uh, uh, <laughs> Barack Obama, JB Pritzker, uh, who's probably going to run for president. We should get someday, away from so. uh, politicians. Uh, corn, uh, soybeans. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're turning people off. Um, yeah. It's corn. Uh, soybeans um uh, john deere oh john deere. i'm from the home of john deere did you know that i did know that yeah yeah up there in the quads. john deere was the second mayor of the city of moline there so you go man yeah he uh, actually was a dude that hey lived. uh edwin akufu's really favorite uh favorite food there uh, chicago style hot dogs i mean there you go we're, we're, we're the home of everything great <laughs>
Absolutely. Let's, 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 let's veer back on to Ted Lasso, <laughs> but we get to learn so much more about beard, uh, in this moment. And it just was wonderful acting. It was, it was a well-delivered by Brendan Hunt. And I just thought that it was a really touching moment because of course, like beard is the number one fan of Ted. And so the fact that he was giving Nate such a hard time, these last few episodes really didn't seem very Ted like, mm. um, but I will also say that Nate, that, that Beard is the one earlier in the season that was bringing up that, of course, you're a mess because you haven't dealt with this whole Nate situation. You you won't admit that Nate hurt you. And I think that the fact that Nate had hurt Ted also led to this kind of like really vitriolic reaction that Beard had. Yeah, there's there's a few different aspects of this to get into. One, yes, this is Brendan Hunt's Emmy Reel. This is one of the best acted individual scenes of this show that exists it, i mean like brendan hunt brings it so hard um in this delivery of this monologue and it is just absolutely fantastic now for those of you who aren't musical theater nerds okay now when they're talking about les miserables um and jean valjean and, and all this stuff like the parallels i think are definitely there to give us a little like a very little sliver of comedy in the midst of the seriousness here. But essentially what this is, is that at the beginning of that musical, yes, Jean Valjean is a paroled criminal um, in feudal, not feudal, but like you know, 1800s France, turn of the century, French Revolution, France. And he is taken in because nobody else will take him in by a priest. And the priest, you know, feeds him, clothes him, shows him kindness. Literally the only person who does. And yeah, he steals a bunch of the treasures of the church. And when they're bringing him back to bring those treasures back after he's been caught by the police the priest says hey you didn't take all this other stuff that i wanted you to take so basically redeems valjean not just in the eyes of the law but in the eyes of god and so the whole point of that whole thing is that at the end there the priest basically tells him you know i've reclaimed your soul for god and now you have to do the same you have to keep this going it's basically a pay it forward type of situation and that is what beard has to reconcile with here um it's not only just a great musical theater callback but it's a great analogy for what we're seeing here because beard you got to think about like in the terms of the story that we just heard about how ted literally just because they were like friends in college they still hadn't seen each other for a while and even then, when Beard has nowhere else to go, Ted does not hesitate. He says, yes, of course, sleep on my couch. Here's a meal. Here, get yourself clean. Like, there's no hesitation there. And, like, Ted is showing him the love and the kindness that we would hope anyone would show someone in, in need. And what Nate has to reconcile there is that, like, when he hurt Ted in that way, he also hurt Beard in that way. Because Beard was redeemed by Ted, and in that way, there's just this this transference of, like, you took somebody who's the best human being I know, and you made him feel terrible. And you made him feel like he was doing something wrong when he was doing the same thing for you that he did for me. He plucked you out of this place where you were suffering and brought you to a place of prominence, and you betrayed him. And, you, and not even that, then you ran then you didn't even give him a chance to talk about it and to try to like give you the benefit of the doubt. And so what Beard is, I think, giving him here is this cautionary tale because you remember what he says to him. It's just like, I give you a job and, you know, what he said the next one. I don't know if I want to do it to you again, man. I don't know if I want to take one, but he, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, man. I'm sorry. He said, you know, though, I give you a job. The life part is up to you. The life part yes. is up to you. Like what what were your what were you thinking when you heard that phrase? Because right there it's just like, here's your chance, Nate. Make it right. 
Yeah, no, absolutely right. I mean, like he needs to, Nate needs to do the work. He needs to give a, maybe a 58 page apology to <laughs> yeah. Ted Lasso. Cut two pages uh, to, off, man. Yeah, to be able to kind of do the work to come back and um, make up for the wrongs that he had uh, had done. And so, and I think that Nate's willing to make that, to do that work. I think yeah. he's been doing that work all season. I so, think that that's why this redemption arc makes sense. So do you think the team really did you know i mean i guess they had to yeah no that, know, i like... think that they did i mean like you know and i like i get that like so the team had a really negative reaction to him when they played at west ham but also i think that ted um you know there's we see him talking to beard and to uh roy about the decision to show them the belief sign being ripped but we don't see ted talking and addressing the team with that we yeah. get it a little bit maybe when you know ted rips the sign in signs in episode five but like we don't necessarily see like what his communication was about nathan but then once nate leaves uh rupert and leaves west ham i think that the team also acknowledges the fact that they do want to go out and win this whole effing thing and that the, the in order to do that you know nate's a great uh strategist and yeah. so he is good at all the stuff that Roy sucks at, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, and so here's the other question then that I had from this that I wanted to get from you. Does this mean that Ted has let go of this situation with Nate? Has he let this go or do we still have to have this one-on-one? Not even the, Oh, we got to have a one-on-one. I we get, have to have yes. a one-on-one and there has to be at least a little bit of pushback. There has to be there has to be a thank you fuck you kind of scene. Uh, yes, that, well no, that's Nate. what I'm thinking cuz like the way he talks about Nate to Beard seems like there's like a finality to his feelings towards Nate. It seems that way. But I think that's a ruse. I think he's putting that on because he knows what Beard has to do even if he doesn't want to do it. So I think Ted at that moment is playing a part. I think he's playing yeah. a part to try to get Beard to do what he knows he needs to do. I yeah. don't think that Ted is fully over it yet because he has not dealt with it at all in the sheer amount of times that they've called that out in this season. I think it has to come to a head and you're right. It has to be a fuck you. Thank you. Kind of scenario there. Absolutely. Speaking of fuck you. Thank you. Ted's hey. mom uh, now has made him food back at the apartment. Didn't know if he wanted meatloaf or lasagna. <laughs> so why not just make both? That is a hearty um, meal. <laughs> Ted asks her point blank, what is wrong? She will not give him a direct answer. And then he goes into this speech where he starts saying, thank you for this, but fuck you for that. Mm. And then, and he goes back and forth on that, goes into his childhood after his dad died and his mom didn't want to seek help or talk to him about getting help or talk to him about the situation. She just acted like everything was all right. Mm. And then um, she does acknowledge that she made some mistakes. She apologizes and then she said that she pretended like everything was okay because she felt like that that's what she had to do. She tells him uh, that uh, she was there for a reason. And the reason is to tell him that uh, his son misses him. Mm. Ted says that he knows that and he misses him too. Uh, and then this is just chock full of Tedism. So um, <laughs> we'll definitely go back and revisit the scene in, in just a few minutes here in Tedisms. But uh they sit down, essentially, they kind of make amends and they sit down and Ted is serving his mother dinner. So, uh, holy moly, man, like the the Henry Lasso stuff really hit me because I didn't know exactly what direction that was all going to go. But like Ted is kind of putting out to bear his insecurities about his son leaving him yeah. and, uh, you know, just like his dad did. Right. Yeah. But in a, yeah. but in a different way, I mean, like your son is going to grow up and they're going to go out and they're going to have their own life. And, you know, uh, <laughs> this is a good reminder 
every listener out there to call your parents uh, if they're still with you, um, if you're fortunate to have them still with you. And uh, but I just God, this scene, it just like again, like another scene where Jason just like crushes you in emotion of this character. Yeah. Um, maybe we need to do the uh, West Wing Stackhouse filibuster episode where everybody's writing their parents <laughs> just to get everything there. Um, you know, you had your emotional moment a while back. I might have one uh, here now, too, because, you know, I'm here on the road <laughs> in a hotel room. Um, my son gets to graduate pre-K tomorrow, but I don't get to see it because I'm here. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this scene that speaks to the fragility of fatherhood. And I mean, I know you felt this too, um, because, you know, you're going through a whole other thing that, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wish I could take some of it away from you, honestly. Um, but it, it is one of those things where parenting is very scary. It's a very, very, very scary thing. Um, not even just in the sense of, you know, the worry you have about them, you know, being physically and mentally okay, but you have all these doubts, man. You have all these doubts that whether you're doing the right thing. Um, and, you know, specifically today at this conference I was at, we had this motivational speaker who was talking about how he was working so much and that he was missing all these moments um, in his kids' lives and how, you know, even though he moved his office to his home so that he could be there for them more, like uh, whenever he wanted, he still missed tucking them in at night. He was still missing that and that the impetus for him was he said, you know, one day his daughters came up to him and asked if he loved his phone more than he loved them. And it's one of those things is just like when you see Ted reacting this way it shows you that there's not just this sense of like, he feels like he can't be at home, but that he's scared to be at home. He's literally scared mm -hmm. to be at home because the fleeting nature of parenthood is that you give and you give and you give and you, you, you know, try to impart and you try to make sure that they know they're loved and everything. And that at the end of the day, they're still going to go. They're still going to, they have to, they still have to go. And, you know, Ted specifically doesn't want Henry to ever feel what he felt as a kid. Not even, I think, just in the sense of suicide, Craig, but he doesn't ever want Henry to feel like he's abandoned him. And I think that maybe this entire series, that's what he's felt like he's doing to Henry. And so maybe this is in this moment, his mom has finally given him the kick in the ass that's just like, what are you doing here, man? You need your son needs you and you need to be back home. Absolutely. I mean, and, and like, I also think it's really interesting that they finally address like, we knew that Ted was anti therapy somewhat because of now we see this relationship between uh, Dr. Jacob and uh, Michelle. But also, uh, I think it was rooted deeper than that in his father's suicide and the way that that was handled. And he's really starting to, in a way, like, you know, uh, Dottie makes this joke, like, well, I guess it was all my fault, right? Is that what you're <laughs> finding out in therapy? But at some of it, yeah, like, you know, the fact that she did avoid it, she just felt like everything was okay. And she tried to move forward doing that. Yeah. Like, she didn't give his, her young son an opportunity to grieve. Yeah. And what did he, the specific line he said to her, too, was like, you know, like when she talked about having to like push it all away and he literally said, comes back to her, he's just like, OK, well, then fuck you for making me think I had to do that, too. Like, you right. know, it, like, man, the implications of that line, Craig, it's just like yeah. maybe 
half the stuff that happens in the show wouldn't happen if maybe Ted would have been able to kind of deal with this grief in the moment when it was there. And not that something good didn't come from it. His, you know, nature of being a goldfish and moving forward, onward, forward, probably springs from this exact same tragedy. But tragedies are complicated and the human mind is complicated. It's the most powerful thing in the in the entire universe. So yeah, like the this scene, like the dichotomy of this, the push pull of you know love and hate and how these things affect you um i thought that like using the structure of the thank you fuck you was so brilliant in this moment um because it's it's perfect and the fact that it came from jamie tart yeah exactly jamie's saving everyone this season man and of course Dottie cuts the tension at the end too with the perfect just like they arrive at the resolution that she's just like fuck you (laughs) like so all right i I imagine we talked about that for a long time but i think that we're going to talk about this for a minute as well so the end of this episode we get this uh montage where (sighs) bex is showing up with rupert's assistant and uh they're both at rebecca's door saying that they need to talk about something Ted then wakes up and his mom has left a note because she has left basically just telling him thanks and just thanks. Yeah, uh, just thanks. <laughs> and then Rebecca is in Ted's office. She mentions that it's the time of year where she comes down and reveals something to him that she has a major truth bomb, but she says she's thought about it and she has absolutely nothing. There's nothing that she thinks that he needs to tell her uh, that she needs to tell him. And then Ted just ends the episode by saying, I got one. And then it cuts to credits. So, um, man, uh, I mean, clearly, like, okay, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. The clear implication here is he's going to tell her that he's leaving to go back to Kansas. Well, here, okay, but the, the most obvious version that of that almost seems easy, yeah. too easy. Well, the most obvious implication of that, Craig, is once again our last Wizard of Oz reference here because the final song playing over the credits is home the penultimate finale of the Wiz? all right so the redone version of the wizard of oz there um diana ross i think that's diana ross's version of it but it's an it's an amazing song but again longing even though you've been in this other land in this other land experiencing these amazing things and these amazing characters that have changed your life you still want to go home. You still, there still is, as we learned all those years ago from L. Frank Baum, no place like home. So I know that it's easy. I really do know that it's easy, but it has to be that because again, Hen- who is Ted Lasso's great love story? It's Henry. It's his son, Henry. And so, yes, I think that the big thing there, look, Ted Becca people, I love you. I love you a lot. I know all of you want this to be that he's in love with her or something like that. It's clear Ted has to go home Um, and not for nothing, but it would be a nice little symmetry because he won a championship at Wichita State, which got him this job. And maybe he wins a championship in the Premier League that sends him back home. I don't know, but that has to be the clear implication here, Craig. I mean, it has to be. Now, but is that too easy from the writer's perspective to actually be a truth bomb? Because does Rebecca already kind of get that sense? I mean, Beard is certainly uh, understanding that something's going on. We have a scene earlier in the episodes where Rebecca says Oklahoma to him because she also knows that something is going on with Ted as mm-hmm. well. And so is that too easy? Um, you know, this is. Uh, I mean, gosh, guys, we got we got one hour left. We're assuming we don't know what the runtime is yet of the final episode. Um, And so 
who knows what we're going to get out of this. I do think that, you know, I was, I was messaging with Tori um, from their soulmates and, and she, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil her episode. I think that <laughs> she is uh, very concerned that Ted Becca might not happen in a, a final episode. Um, but, you know, like, I just think that uh, there might be something more to this. Uh, I don't know necessarily that they're like, that they're, those two are going to get together. That's not what I'm saying, but I just think that there might be something more than just, him returning to Kansas. Now, um, this again was uh, uh, Tori and I were talking about it. Do you think that we see this scene or does it just do that thing where it time jumps and it acknowledges the conversation later? I think we have to see the scene. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I could see it either way because, I mean, the show's whole MO is just skipping over big moments like, you know, entire football matches. Um, uh, Nate's fired, yeah. yeah or, Nate's Nate, fired. Well, he the, quit, whatever. Yeah, they, they love just jumping to the conclusion uh, and letting us fill in, the, fill in the blanks there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could get my in the way that the scene ends and again hey aj if you're listening you know like give us a little sense here because you'll you will notice craig this was the shot from the trailer of ted walking into the locker room now we didn't see believe signs all right but this was the outfit this was you know the same blue sweater um that he's walking in there through that was the beginning of the first trailer for um for the season um and so yeah i this feels like an incomplete scene. This definitely does feel like a scene that we should open on in the next episode. Um, but then again, do we need to see that realization? Do we need to see the nuts and bolts of that? Or can we open with, you know, once again, soccer Saturday saying like Ted Lasso is coaching his last match for Richmond today. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, theories out there. I still do really love the theory that maybe like Rebecca buys uh, Sporting Kansas City and let's get let's uh, Ted and Beard coach that so that he's at home and everything like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe I would love that, except for you know, make it St. Louis City. Um, but well, it's yeah, we, I, I don't know. We get I, to see it soon. I mean, we you know, like that's what's crazy about this is that next week is the finale of not only the season but likely the series, right? And yeah, um, because we don't we don't know for sure. We're we're all hopeful, I think, as fans that there'll be some kind of spinoff yes, or something. But announced. what I said to you, but, Greg, they're messing with us. This whole like mystery song here as he's walking into the locker room about seeing you same time, same place next year. All right, this is, they're just messing with us now. It's not fun. It is not. It is not fun. But you know what is fun, buddy? I, I do. I think we've come to that time. Let's get uh, Larry Smith out here and let's do some Tedisms. 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 For each week, we share biscuits truth. All right, you get to go first, bud. All right. I, again, folks, this is going to be about another 30 minutes. Uh, there's just so many of these on here. Um, I, I'm just going to start with a very easy one from Jade when uh, the guys walk into Taste of Athens and she tells them that they're not open yet. And she literally says, would you like to wait? Not here. <laughs> I just love Jade's like yeah. blood. Would you like to wait? Not here. Would you like to wait? Not yeah. here. I would love that on a T-shirt. Patrick, get on that. <laughs> We talked about this earlier, but my first Tedism was from Colin Colin, and when he's in Taste of Athens and he said, the whole team talked about it and it was unanimous, except for Bumbercatch, who abstained because he's passionately anti-democratic. Yeah, yeah exactly. I wrote down uh, the entire uh, microwave one or stove one. Do you want me to do that one? The, the oven? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So he says, she's asking about the, Dottie's asking about the symbols. And he says, the one with the line under the nuclear power symbol, that's for making cookies and chicken. The three squiggly lines lets you 
burn a pizza, which I just thought was great writing. And the key symbol there, that and the key symbol there, that makes the whole thing beep until Beard comes over and fixes it for me. I just love that. I love I love that Ted needs his beard. Uh, I went to Sam Obasanya next uh, at the press conference, Ooh, yes. and he said, "Am I dreaming?" Uh, and that's what the reporter says to him. And then Sam says, if you are, don't wake up. And if it's the Matrix, don't unplug me. Don't unplug me. Simulation theory, man. It keeps coming up in this show, in this series. Um, what are we going to say? Um, the next one I had is our first Donnie Lasso Tedism here. Uh, you know, I feel like we're getting a blueprint for why Ted is nuts. But um, when Rebecca correctly guesses who she is, he simply looks at her and says, winner, winner, BF Skinner. <laughs> Yeah, I actually had one uh, before that. I had the I I went back to the press conference and I had the Jamie Tart. I had that was meant to be a pass. That goal is a lie. That goal is I a apologize lie. Apologize to everyone, especially the kids. I want. I literally, Patrick, if you're listening, buddy, I need a shirt that's just cut out of a goal of a of a soccer goal, a soccer ball, and above it, it just says that goal is a lie. That's all I want in this world. That's all I want. I also like, I apologize to everyone, especially the kids. Especially the um, kids. That, he has no clue what good. he's doing, man. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I, I liked the, I liked all the Dottie that uh, the Dottie of it all as well. But I also love that Dottie uh, finding out where uh, Rebecca is from as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she said, where are you from, honey? And then Rebecca says, sorry. And then uh, she goes, where are you from? And then she <laughs> says, sorry. And he goes, she goes, oh. I thought you were just saying sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. Some delightful uh, syntax uh, jokes there. Um, she does also say Dottie of Ted. This one popped out and immediately asked the doctor if he needed anything. <laughs> That's just exactly how I envisioned Ted Lasso's birth. Uh, especially because he's friend of the pod now, James Lance. We had to include a Trent Krim one. And yes. Trent is shouting and shouting is Roy's love language. Shouting is Roy's <laughs> love language. I love it. There's a lot of them that come in this like uh, boot room and other thing there. But um, yeah, like Jamie, the way he yells like, where the fuck are my wings, Roy? <laughs> like that one I, I had that one too. And he's just crying the whole time. Where the fuck are my wings, Roy? <laughs> Well, and hey, for all you science nerds out there as well, when uh, le- when uh, uh, Higgins walks in to ask Ted if he has a moment, he says, what is times, Higgs boson? <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Excellent, man. Um, speaking of Higgins, I had, I do believe in second chances. This is when uh, Ted's asking if, if uh, Nate if they should, should come bring back. Nate and back yeah. Higgins says... Higgins says, I do believe in second chances, Ted. That's why I'm still married and all my sons are still alive. <laughs> that is dark, man. <laughs> oh, dude. That's He's fantastic. Willy Wonka them. Yeah, he Willy Wonka them there. there. Also in that scene, he said, like, y'all got a town here named Tooting? God, this place is great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, and then... I- when Dottie Lasso asked Beard if uh, he's got someone or if he's dating anyone, he said, had my heart ripped out of my chest, stomped into a pump and dragged in the town square for everyone to ridicule. And then she goes, oh, sweetie, that's OK. You'll meet someone. And then he goes, no, I'm in love. No, I'm in love. <laughs> All right. Well, it feels like we should probably do the entire Philip Larkin poem here that May recites because it's pretty amazing. Um, so this is an iambic pentameter, too. So I'm going to try. I'm trying to do this. But. He says, they fuck you up, mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were fucked up in their turn by fools in old style hats and coats who half the time were sloppy stern and half at one another's throats. Man hands man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. (laughs) Woof. 
um, and then let's see. I have the suitcase line that you tried to do earlier. Yes. Something so sad about a suitcase. It's like a drawer without a home, says Jamie Tart. You know what? Very true. <laughs> Very true as I look at my suitcase over here in the corner. Um, uh, I do love that uh, Georgie, his mom, says about uh, his father, I haven't heard from that human ball sack in ages. <laughs> I have I had one um, from Keely Jones first, and this is right after I think it's right before the movie. Um, she does her best Roy Kent, and she just goes fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I also had Jamie's mom uh, says, "You're not lost, my sexy little baby. Sexy little baby. She's not sure what direction you're going in yet. I just love that she calls him a sexy little baby. Yes, because he calls himself that in the first season. He says something about how he was a sexy little baby. He just keeps going there. Um, and I do love, though, when she says, I don't know if we said this exactly, but she says, you know, you've ended up being who you are so you can prove him wrong. That's a that's a very, very, very good one there. Um, but I'm going to take my favorite one from uh, Chris, our commentator here, when he's talking about the amazing play of our goalkeeper at Richmond, when he says, Van Dam, he's been good today. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was wonderful. Um, let's see. Oh, Ted to the athletic trainers. I mentioned it. So I should mention, I get to work with a bunch of athletic trainers yes, at, do. uh, at my school. Um, I, I don't think that I've ever actually given them a shout out because maybe I've been worried that people were going to track me down at my school, university <laughs> of Illinois Springfield. Uh, the athletic training program is wonderful. I believe classes start in June. So that's your free advertising for or the athletic training program uh, at UIS. So come and check it out. But Ted says, you two, do me a favor, heal him. Yeah. Use all your tricks, please. Use all your tricks, please. And I do love like when he, you know, is asked about playing with 10 men, he plays it off as like a sex joke, which is pretty funny <laughs> if we're being honest, which is kind of great there. I also have another one uh, about from Arlo and Chris, where uh, Chris says, I love gambling. Arlo makes me feel alive. And Arlo says back, you might want to talk to somebody about that, Chris. <laughs> Their banter has been fantastic this year it really has been i love that uh roy is giving the speech about how he played injured all the time and beard says to roy you can't walk upstairs <laughs> this is very true man uh guys take care of yourselves just take care of yourselves in all instances here um you know being the horror film aficionado i had to call this one out craig when they're talking about freddy krueger and ted says and as we all know hurt people hurt people sometimes they just do it with their knife hands <laughs> Uh, i love that um i get the uh, i get to give uh the line that ted gives to beard about Mm -hmm. bringing nathan back to richmond he says you know i don't know about you coach but i hope that either all of us or none of us are judged by the actions of our weakest moments but rather by the strength we show when and if we're given a second chance Mm. oof Mm. And what a great quote. Really kind of like the whole like thesis of the episode uh, there as well. But I have uh, Dottie's big one as my last one. And I think it might be the last one of the whole episode here. Um, but, you know, after Ted breaks down about the fear he has um, with, uh, you know, getting close to Henry because he's eventually going to leave. And she says, that's the thing about being a parent. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you win. But most of the time you just tie. And all we can do is keep playing. I think we got one more that we need to leave this episode on, and that is Ted Lasso says, I got one. Oh, there's the teasing, everyone. Woo! 
Dot, dot, dot. Let's see what happens in this finale of Ted Lasso season three. I can't believe that we are here. Now, I should say lots of caveats here. There are rumors, uh, speculation abound online that uh, Apple TV is not going to release press screeners for uh, the finale episode, that they're going to make us all wait with all of you. So if that happens, the podcast will still be there. It just might be a little bit delayed, but we'll make it work. We'll just do like a a one in the morning um, recording, won't we? Yeah, I mean, and also uh, Sarah has agreed to come on for that last episode. So, hey, we can can have a a triumvirate here, our own Jamie Tart. Uh, Keely Roy uh, we'll decide which of us is which I'm obviously Jamie Tart um, absolutely no. <laughs> well if you're bringing Sarah I, maybe I'll bring Courtney and we'll we'll get this we'll get this all going uh, danger, let's see danger when we too. get Courtney and Sarah in the same room danger guys just be warned they are they are insane uh, and way more talented than Craig and I <laughs> yeah absolutely so Lots of things going on uh, for the show. I did mention that I've been communicating with one of the cast members of Ted Lasso, and hopefully that interview will be coming out soon. Please check back on PBB's uh, social medias to be able to figure out who that is and <laughs> when that will be released. But we're excited excited to have that person coming on to the show. We also promised you that West Wing episode, and Jeremy and I are going to start scheduling that now. And uh, we will t- release that here sometime probably in the next week uh, leading up to the finale. And then... so. Just thank you to everybody who's made that Facebook group so positive and so friendly and so open. Uh, please continue to join. It's Peanut Butter and Biscuits on Facebook. You can follow along with us at PBBFRN. And then also, of course, Peanut Butter Biscuit Time on Instagram as well. It's just been an amazing ride, guys. Uh, the, the downloads have been incredible for these last few episodes. Uh, honestly, it's a little overwhelming <laughs> to, uh, because we've been doing this now for eight years. I, I should mention that over the weekend, it was our eight year anniversary of recording our first podcast together. Uh, and so it's incredible that we've been doing this, buddy. And um, I just couldn't imagine doing it with anybody else. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, our first podcast was on the Avengers Age of Ultron, everyone, if you want to. Uh, and it's a terrible episode. It's truly atrocious podcasting. Uh, but you know what? We learned a lot. Um, and more than anything, like it's. I think it's just that we love doing it. And so uh, we hope that that comes through when we do these episodes. Um, it definitely comes through with this show. Um, and we love, we love, we love interacting with all of you. Um, so if you're not in that Facebook group, man, get there. Because it's not even just a numbers thing or something that a lot of people do. We just really love interacting with you guys um, and hearing your theories and hearing the stuff that's uh, jumping out to you. It, it really is just this great community about this show. So make sure you get there. You'll find all this stuff. Um, and, of course, we are a part of the Front Row Network, and we've got a ton of shows. And even after Ted Lasso is done, we will continue with those shows. Craig has a Disney show. I have a MCU show. Uh, Sarah and I are starting a Black Mirror uh, retrospective show, as I talked about with James Lance. We have an Are You Afraid of the Dark show that Sarah and I do that we're going to start up again. Like, there's so many things with the network. So just make sure you're getting on there. It's really, really amazing content. Brandon and I have a Spielberg show coming up too. That's and speaking true. of uh, things that we also love to support local businesses uh, throughout the Springfield area, one of our great friends, Patrick, we've we mentioned him <laughs> in his shirts already in this episode, but he is running a special for us where uh, we'll make sure we have the link in the show notes page for this. But if you buy a peanut butter and biscuits or Ted Lasso themed shirt, if we sell uh, every 20 of those that we sell, uh, he's going to be giving away a free shirt uh, to someone that's on our Facebook page. So you got to join the Facebook page too and kind of search for that post and make sure that that's all out there too. But holy moly, guys, <sighs> we're coming in for a landing. Uh, the final episode of Ted Lasso season three and perhaps 
of Ted Lasso proper yeah. is next week, and we will be right here with you. But until that time, I am Craig. And I'm Jeremy. And as always, be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.